Welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On. I'm your host, Rebecca, avid coffee drinker, homeschool mom of five who was homeschooled herself. You guys, I've grown up in this life of homeschooling. This is like my second nature. This is normal to me. And yet it is not normal for absolutely everyone. And regardless of how long you've been doing this, there are homeschool challenges that you all face, that we all face, that I face together with you, that it just doesn't seem to matter how long you've been doing it. These are just the challenges that you face. So based off of the fact that I have had so many people asking me these questions and saying, what do I do in these situations? I posted an Instagram yesterday saying, you tell me your biggest homeschool challenges and I'm going to address them. So that is what we are doing in today's episode. I obviously would have loved to do all of them. I'm going to be tackling them in the next couple of weeks or even months. There was a ton, a ton. You can go and check out the blog post to see them all, but I'm going to be addressing just some of them, your homeschool challenges and my solutions. And it is my hope and prayer that today's episode is going to not just encourage you that you are not alone, but more than that, give you tools and strategies that you can leave here with and implement and begin to see change and improvement and overcome some of these challenges rather than being a victim to them. So that is my heart behind today's episode. Now you need coffee. I just got mine. Go get yours and let's get started. All right. So challenge number one was how to finish our lessons, but still feel free to explore my kids' interests and fit in adventures. This is such a real challenge that I think we all face. And it's that balance aspect and balance. There's, I mean, we can, we're going to break it up into all sorts of different things because there's balancing your home, trying to make meals and homeschool. There's balancing your husband and there's balancing self-care and there's balancing ministry and work. And I mean, there's so many aspects of our life that balance comes into play with, but if we break it down into our actual homeschool experience in, in the process of teaching and educating our children, this, this battle, this, this balance issue is something that we all face trying to balance our wants with our needs. There's so many things we want. There's so many things our kids want trying to balance what we need to do while also trying to find our kids' interests and make it fun and engaging and adventuring. So that balance of, of doing our workbooks and, and also having the time for those other things, but also the mental capacity, because I think time is probably less of an issue. We like to blame it on time. Time is kind of the scapegoat of a homeschooler. But the reality is, is that we can actually make time for what's important to us. The problem is not as much time as it is the mental capacity. We don't have the mental capacity to explore our kids' interests. We don't have the mental capacity to go and and adventure. That is daunting. That is overwhelming. That's like, we're just trying to survive right here. There's no time for that stuff. There's no, there's nothing left of me for that stuff is really what we're saying. So I want to address that today. I want to give you some questions to ask yourself if you are in that place and, and help us, all of us, myself included, kind of move past this hurdle that, that often seems to come up. So the first question to ask yourself is what curriculum are you using? Now I am the queen of saying, I feel like if you followed me for any length of time, you have heard you're not a slave to your curriculum. This is what I say, guys. This is what I do. I I basically preach about the fact that curriculum is to work for you, not vice versa. However, it's still important. 
It's important. If you are trying to finish the lessons and feeling like you don't have enough time to do that fun stuff, maybe you're doing curriculum that is taking up too much of your time. Okay, there are some out there that that gets done in a very short amount of time. I'm talking 10 to 15 minutes per subject. You could be finished all your school in a couple of hours, get the core stuff done, and move on and have all afternoon to do your adventuring. The problem is, is that we as homeschool parents are also stuck in the mindset, here's another challenge we'll have to face another time, of of these these expectations for ourselves, and it's all resting on us, and our kids are going to be behind, it can't be enough, we have to give them a superior education. Education. The whole world is looking at us, judging us, and so we are unwilling to settle in our minds for a curriculum like that because that just doesn't seem like enough. So actually what we're saying is that we choose to feel more secure ourselves by choosing a curriculum that is intensive, that takes a lot of time, that goes really in depth, that's going to take an hour per subject that we're going to work at all day long, and we feel good about ourselves when we go to bed at night. We feel secure. That works for us. We're like, yeah, I'm rocking this homeschool thing. But then at the end of the day, because mom guilt is a real thing, because the enemy is a flippin' liar and he is going to come at you again and again and again, no matter what you do, no matter how well you do, he's going to come from the other angle and say, but you're not following your kid's interests. Nobody actually enjoys this. Yeah, you're doing it, but, but it sucks. And you know what? Sometimes there's some truth to that. And that's why it hurts so much because we want freedom. We want to explore their interests. We want to run with things. And, and so it's this warring within ourselves is what it comes down to. We want to feel secure in our decision. We want our kids to reflect well on us. And so we choose this curriculum that's going to make us feel good. But, but then at the end of the day, when our kids hate homeschooling, when we hate homeschooling, You have to ask yourself the question, what is more important to you? Why are you doing this? You guys, why are you doing this? Are you doing this so your kids can get into college one day and and, and be incredibly smart? They want to be a doctor. You need to really focus on the academics. That's not wrong. If that's why you're doing that, then my goodness, focus on the academics. You have a goal, run with it. But for most of us, the goal is not purely educational 4.0 GPA. For most of us, the goal is a love of learning, relationships, instilling our values. This is why we do this. And so at the end of the day, that, that, that pressure that we feel, that anxiety, that insecurity that we base all our decisions on of, of getting that hardcore curriculum that's going to make us feel good is actually not taking us where we want to be. And so at the end of the day, we are plagued with guilt. We're plagued with, with, with feeling terrible about ourselves and feeling like a failure because we are not actually heading the direction that we value. We're heading the direction of our fears. Don't make fear-based decisions. Look at your curriculum. If you truly want to find a balance for this, then find a curriculum that's going to get her done, but not take you an hour per subject, times all your individual kids that you're trying to do all at once that, you know, now is, is eight hours of schoolwork where you don't leave your schoolroom. You need to ask yourself the question, what curriculum am I using? Blend your kids. 
again, I sometimes feel like a broken record, which is why I sometimes stare at my computer not knowing what to talk about because I feel like I've said all this stuff before and yet here's the reality is that I still need to hear it. You still need to hear it. And so I'm just going to talk about it again, but bland your kids. You guys, look at your curriculum, find stuff that you can do in a shorter amount of time that's going to get it done so you have the time and the mental capacity and the creativity to do the fun stuff. Then blend your kids. I mean, we can condense this time that school is taking as much as possible. Socials, history, science, geography, all of that can be. And in my opinion, if you have more than a couple of children that are semi-close in age or ability, should be blended together. Why on earth would I teach science to five different kids at five different levels? It doesn't really matter if you learn about biology, if you learn about life science, if you learn about physics, it doesn't really matter. You're learning about science and we're going to cycle back around. It's all going to work out, guys. It's all going to work out. Just take a deep breath, have a sip of that coffee and say to yourself, it's all going to work out. Okay. Most of education is learning how to learn. They need the basics, they need math, they need reading, they need writing, but most of the other stuff you don't remember from your education experience, neither will your children. (laughs) Have fun with it, enjoy it, blend your kids. That's gonna free up your space to be able to do some of those fun things. So check your day with your mission statement. Stop making curriculum your master. Ask yourself these important questions. How can you blend your kids? How can you make your day more fluid? How can you get that stuff done so that you have not just the time, but the mental capacity, the creativity, the desire, the motivation to do the fun stuff? Because you're not constantly wrapping your head around fear-based decisions, insecurities, and, and, and running with those on full throttle all the time of trying to do more. Another challenge that came up was teaching my kid to read or another one was instilling a love of reading. And so I want to address both of these in one with kind of my solutions, my personal solutions. Now, it's important to note that I have five children. I have some that are behind in their reading that I am still following these steps and trusting in this process and I have not yet seen the fruit. I also have kids that I have seen the fruit that are advanced, that are, are in love with reading, that, that I have seen the fruit in their lives. And that is what gives me confidence. That is what I cling to when I look at my children who are behind, who are struggling. And so what I'm sharing with you today is not that I have all the answers. What I'm sharing with you today is my own wins. And, and hopefully if you do not have older children that you have seen this in, then you also can cling to my experiences to help give you faith in this process. That is my goal. Now, when you have a child who is behind in reading, let's say you are trying to teach them how to read. Maybe your struggle is patience in that because you're reading the same words over and over and it doesn't seem to click. You're doing all the books. You're doing all the phonics. It doesn't seem to click. What are you doing wrong? What curriculum do you need to do? Because nothing I'm doing is working. My child is not reading. If that is you, then you need to understand something about the way that our brains work. I'm taking violin lessons right now, and I know I've told the story in this podcast before, but bear with me, you guys, I'll make it short. And one of the things that he says is, is a 10,000. That's like the number of average that we're going to throw out there. But the reality is that everybody is different. Somebody might need 10, 20, 150 times to, to master something for it to click for them. Well, he's talking about violin, but this is applicable to anything. 
Somebody else may need 10,000. Your kids need consistency. They need exposure. The day will come when developmentally their brain says, aha. You know, we talk about the aha moments. It's going to come. It will come. It will come, it will come, it will come, it will come. Your child will be unable to text their friends. Let me tell you something. They are going to learn to read so they can text their friends. They are going to have to learn to read if they want to drive. Let me tell you something. Your kids are going to want to drive far away from you, okay? (laughs) This is is something that will happen. It will happen. Just just tell yourself, my child will learn how to read because they will. Now, now that you know that doesn't all rest on your shoulders, take a deep breath and now understand the fact that your child is unique. They're not their sibling. They're not you. They're not the child that is in public school right now. They are their own person with their own brain, with their own little patterns and their own little neurons that fire in different ways and and need a certain number of paths to make something click. And it's going to click in their own time when they are ready with the right amount of exposure. So your job is not the when. Your job is to be consistent, to approach it, to have patience, to not kill their desire and love of of reading by making it fun and engaging. That's your job. That's it right there. Anything outside of that, all that other pressure that you're facing, I want you to take it off your shoulders and go throw it on the ground, stomp on it a little bit, okay? Because that is not your job. It's not your job. It's not your responsibility. So now that we understand that, your child needs this to be addressed in two different ways. One way is with phonics. It is my belief, my very firm understanding that some kids can learn to read entirely by sight, some kids entirely by phonics. But when we can blend both of these together, it tends to click faster in my experience and in my opinion. Because we're tackling both sides and we don't know where our child's brain, we don't know which one is the most important. So by tackling it in two different ways, it's going to click faster. I really firmly believe that. So address phonics, but don't just address phonics, also address sight words because the sight words are going to give your kids the confidence so they don't have to constantly be decoding absolutely everything. And let's just take a second to remember all those little messages you see on Facebook. Can you read this? If you can read this, you're one of, no, you're not one of the few. Everyone can read it. Why can they read it? Even though it's jumbled, even though it makes no sense, it, there's, there's, it's, spell, it's not even just spelled wrong. There's literally like, it, it's unreadable because the first and the last letter and the size of the word is literally the cues your, your brain is taking. It's using those clues and it is deciphering. Our brains aren't actually decoding and sounding out words as we read them. It's, it's, like, it's like a language. It's just learning, it's deciphering, and it's, it's picking up clues and it is basically guessing on an ongoing basis. And we get better and better and better at guessing those words. Now, your child is going to need phonics to begin to teach its brain to decode. Meanwhile, those sight words are teaching your child how to do it faster. It's bringing in the fluency. It's bringing in the fact that, that, look, you can guess. So now we're bringing in the guessing together with the decoding. And when we do both of those, then we're going to see fruit. So get some flashcards, go to the dollar store, start writing some simple words, the the high frequency words, go look them up. High frequency words to teach your child to read of the, ah, okay? He, she, those high frequency words, and then blend it together with also teaching phonics. Get a good phonics program. There's Foundations Phonics for Masterbooks is fantastic. There is A Gentle Feast, 100 Gentle Lessons in Sight and Sound. Fantastic. It's going to blend your phonics with your sound. 
or with your sight words. There is all about reading. Fantastic. Three amazing reading programs that you can use. Any one of those and is going to help your children learn how to read and build the foundation. Stick with it. Be consistent. Stop putting all the pressure on yourself. Now, the other avenue of this that we need to address is that love of reading. And if your child can read but doesn't desire to, hates to, and they're not growing into fluency because they just hate it, then there's a couple strategies I want to leave you with. First of all, part of the reason our kids hate it when they're in that transition to fluency is because it's so difficult. It's so difficult decoding. They can't even enjoy the story or get caught up in the story because they are so focused on decoding. So help your kids. For my son, I read a paragraph, he reads a paragraph. I read a page, he he reads a page. When he's reading, we stop often. I refresh his memory. What is he reading? He doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's reading. He's just decoding. Okay. That's all he's trying to do. Okay, great. You read the word. You have no idea what you read. So, so bring in the experience for them. Listen, your child's not going to enjoy reading if they don't know what they're reading. Find stories that are interesting. Seriously funny. When they're young, find funny, find funny, find funny, find funny, find things that shock them, that make them laugh. That will bring them in. They will enjoy those stories. So find things like that. When they're older, they have the fluency, but they just hate to read. Then you have to capture them. For my kids, I have a rule. Now, one of my kids, I've been successful. One of them, I have not yet. The rest of them are too young for this. But when they're at the point where they can read, but they don't want to. In my opinion, you need to get your kids, laughter is really important, finding books that make them laugh. That is an emotional connection with the book that they have now immersed themselves enough in that world, in those characters, that, that they were able to make that connection and it meant something to them. That is powerful. More powerful than that is when a book can make your child cry. Now, I feel like this sounds a little demented that I literally aim for books that will make my children cry, but with my son, everything shifted when he read that book that made him cry. Everything shifted. Everything. He was immersed in another world. It meant so much to him. He saw a different perspective. It it changed everything. My son is the most avid reader. He will read anything. He's reading adult books. He's 11 and he can read anything I can read. Lord of the Rings. He can read anything I can read and be totally immersed in it. He reads classic literature. Like we're there. We are there. We've arrived. Now my daughter who is 10, who, who still struggles a little bit with ability, but is mostly there with fluency is just not really interested in anything. I haven't gotten there yet because she's unwilling to put in the work required to immerse herself enough in a story for it to affect her emotionally. So I am not there yet and I'm still constantly seeking and trying. For those kids, I I recommend trying to find books that are a little bit easier for them that will still bring that emotional connection because we need that emotional connection to tie them in to the why behind this. So those are my top tips for teaching your kids to read and instilling a love of reading. Other simple strategies, family reading hour, model reading for them, and read aloud to your kids. That is often where that emotional connection comes from. Read aloud to your kids. If you want some good suggestions, maybe I'll do that on another one. But seriously, read aloud to your kids. I'll throw in Eris birthday. That was one of our favorites. Seriously, funny, 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 funny. So good. Go get that book. Okay. We have a lot more to go here, so we're going to take a sip of coffee. Everyone lift that coffee cup or tea cup to your lips. I'm leaving that in there. I'm doing that on purpose. Okay, 
preteen strategies. Now I said preteen strategies, but really what it came down to was an overwhelming number of responses. Attitude, 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 lack of motivation, disinterested. Okay. So I am saying preteen because I feel like that's around the 10 to 13 mark that we, or 10 to 12 mark that we start to deal with that. But you may be dealing with that when a child that's younger, you are likely dealing with that if you have a teenager in your house. So attitude is mainly what we're talking about. Now, when you have a child who has a bad attitude, I'm going to give you some strategies, but then I'm going to give you my end rule of thumb. First of all, I really believe, and again, I'm, I'm kind of zeroing in on that 10 mark, okay? Preteen-ish. Giving them more ownership. Give them ownership. Now, I'm not saying independence. I'm not saying go assign them their work, walk away. I'm saying give them more ownership. Your children need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. They need to decide that they want to do it because you actually can't force your child to be educated. I know I've said that before, so let's brush that aside. But you can't force your child to enjoy school. You can't. They have to decide that they want to do this. And that moment when they make that decision for themselves is the moment that everything changes. You stop battling them. You stop butting heads. You stop fighting them because they're not doing this for you with with no understanding of why they're doing this for themselves. The transition comes in your homeschool where you need to do that. You need to transition from teacher to mentor. This is really important, you guys. And if you are totally lost on how to do that, I've put together a course. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm throwing it in here, not as a little sales pitch, but as I honestly, I've been looking at this course again, and I've been going through it a little bit with my kids. I've been already hearing amazing testimonies from families that are seeing results in their family. And I am telling you right now that this works. It's like five minute little videos for your kids, totally independent. They'll do it on their own, on their own. This is important. And I mean, you could do it as a family. You can all use it, but, but there is something in this. What I am speaking to them about setting goals. I'm speaking to them about taking ownership of their time. I'm speaking to them about why this means something to them, about identifying what they want, but also what they need in order to get what they want, how to balance things, identifying their time wasters for themselves. So you do not have to keep harassing them, okay? It's called Total Time Makeover for Kids. Honestly, I feel like it's one of the most valuable things in the homeschool world that I have created. I have, I have written Bible curriculum. I have written how to do your own planner. I have, I have put out hundreds of podcast episodes and of blog posts and videos. And I feel like, honestly, the most value that I have contributed is this course, Total Time Makeover for Kids. The link is over in the blog post that is associated to this podcast episode. But give them ownership. Transition to their mentor. Now, another thing that's important, especially when we're talking about preteens, is do they need more sleep? Do they need food? That's so big. My son, half the time, he just needs sleep. Like, I'm not even joking. He has naps. I was at, um, I was at Denver speaking there, and I was a part of Mom's Night. And one of the things she asked was she was praying over different stages of, of the kids and Dunnigan. And she said, okay, so, so anybody that has really, really young kids that are napping. And it made me laugh because I thought, or oh, preteen teenagers that are napping because like he needs naps. <laughs> I sometimes think he sleeps more than what my, my toddlers ever slept. They did, barely gave me naps. Everyone's like, my child naps. I'm like, yeah, mine doesn't. But I kind of went the whole early bedtime route. So that was my own fault. But, but seriously, he needs sleep. He needs food. 
on an ongoing basis. He's like a machine. As soon as he doesn't have food, he's getting overwhelmed because he's hungry. Okay, so identify those things and help them identify those things. Don't just be their mom forever. Help them identify those things in themselves. Ask them those questions. When, when was the last time you ate, honey? Are you feeling tired? Do you think that maybe this emotional response is a little bit exaggerated by the fact that you, you maybe need to have a little rest? Okay, just saying. Like gently prompt them in that direction. Okay, do they need more help or less? Sometimes the problem is that our kids need less of us. They need us to give them the reins a little bit. They need us to give them some more ownership. Let them plan their lessons. Let them start to discuss with them what curriculum they're interested in. Show them. Let them start to take some ownership in their actual homeschool experience. So sometimes they need less of us and they need a little bit more of those reins because they're headbutting us because they're coming into adulthood, which is normal, where they're coming up against and becoming their own person. So that's all normal, by the way. So sometimes it is, it is less of us. Sometimes, especially in the preteen, it is more of us. It doesn't seem like it. Now, you have to imagine your preteen like a toddler. Okay, just like a toddler, they need more sleep. Just like a toddler, they need to eat a lot because they're growing a lot. But just like a toddler, they want you up, 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 mommy, mommy, mommy. And then they're pushing you away because they want down because they see a toy and they're distracted and they want to use it. Okay, now this is your preteen. Your preteen needs you, but doesn't want you at the same time. It's just, it's, it's really, it's glorious, isn't it? You guys, this is a wonderful stage and challenge of homeschooling. So my son is, is he needs me to get him started. He needs me to kind of light the flame. He needs me to kind of, okay, this isn't so big. This is, this is, this is, this and, and show him and get him excited. And then boom, he's good. I kind of like let him free little birdie, push him out of the nest. But, but first I got to be there. I got to be there. And then every five minutes or so, I need to come back around because my son gets very overwhelmed. Now, I don't even blame him. I get very overwhelmed with my life. So I don't blame him for this, but he gets very overwhelmed because I give him all the school and I say, and go. And he, although he has the ability to, is overwhelmed and lacks the motivation and the desire. He's a little bit lazy. Okay. That's just all normal preteen teen behavior. And so for him, I need to come every few minutes and be his little cheerleader. You can do it. Come on, stay motivated. No, don't skip that. Okay. Well, actually we shouldn't look at our answer key. I mean, you know, it's these simple things. It's the simple things. So I become more of his cheerleader and he needs that. So in some ways I think we see our kids get independent and we just kind of wash our hands of them and we say, okay, you do that. I got to work with the younger kids, but in some ways they need us more. It's just different. It's different. So if you're dealing with preteen, if you're dealing with attitude, lack of motivation, ask yourself those questions. Follow their interests. Utilize incentives and consequences and let them help come up with that. What will actually motivate you? What, what is some consequences? You don't get this stuff done. You can't do that. So, so they start to have and take that ownership. Talk with them. Talk with them, talk with them, talk with them. They need to have those discussions. You're really having a bad attitude today. Why? You're, you know what? This is really difficult for me. Talk with them. They are coming into adulthood where they actually can and will use those discussions much more than you just reacting. Talk with them, include them in those discussions. And sometimes when it comes to attitude, sometimes you guys, it just needs you to power through. And that's the worst and that's the hardest. We want the strategies, but sometimes you just have to power through. 
be consistent, love beyond everything else, love them, let them feel your love and, and they will eventually realize and see in themselves and they're going to start to take ownership. And when they do that and they decide they want to change their attitude, not you telling them to, that's when you're going to see the breakthrough. And that's what we want breakthrough. We don't want to be battling this every day, coming up with strategies every day. I have three more, but man, guys, this is, this is, we may cut it short. I may have to do a a two-part series just on these few things. There's so much I have to say. Uh, I'm going to skip that next one because I feel like we kind of addressed it with the how to finish the lessons and feel free to explore their interests. The next one I had was trying to decide what to do and what not to do. So, well, actually I'll hit on it quickly. Okay. So she said, there's so much I want to do. I can't do everything. How do I decide? So first check everything with your mission and your goal. Be very, very picky with your curriculum. So make sure that everything is reaching towards your mission, reaching towards where you want to be. Do what brings you joy. When you're looking at curriculum, when you're looking at extracurricular, do what actually gets you the most excited. Choose those things first. Do what gets you the most excited. Do what gets your kids the most excited. Choose the best of the best. Focus on the essentials. Get the essentials done. Don't try to do absolutely everything. Just focus on the essentials. And then when you're looking at adding all that extra stuff, the other stuff you want to do, I want to do Shakespeare. I want to do art. I want to do this. I want to do that. Think about what you actually are going to be excited about. Now, I will tell you from personal experience, I'm not super excited about Shakespeare. My mom mind loves the idea of exposing my kids to that, but actually trying to speak Shakespearean and and plan out, you know, this tea time where I'm going to try to try to teach my kids what these things mean. I don't remember. That means I've got to research. When it actually comes down to it, I'm not that excited about it. What I am excited about is art, is nature journaling, is is dance class, is violin that I enrolled myself in because I'm going to do it along with my kids. That is what gets me excited. So choose what gets you excited, what brings you joy and let those be your first. If you have time, you can add in the extra stuff. Utilize things like looping to fit in those extra things that are important to you that you want to give your kids that feast. We want to give our kids the world. So add those things in into loops. But when you're choosing your day, when you're planning your schedule, your routine, then I, I use that as my filter. I, I get, let's get her done with the basics. And then when we're choosing what extracurricular or whatever we're adding, we are going to choose only what brings us the most joy. And I really only choose one when it comes to extracurricular because I know my limits and I know that I will die if I become mom taxi. Okay. Another big challenge that people face that we need to zone in on is staying consistent. This is so important. This is so, so, so important. People wonder why can't I get into a rhythm in my homeschool day? Because we're not consistent. Okay. You, you go to school, you go to work, you go somewhere The the piece that comes with, with just the routine and rhythm of, you know what to expect. This comes next. This comes next is because it's the same every day. Now I'm not saying go make your homeschool the same every single day. That's not what I'm saying. I think that there is so much power in surprise, in mystery, in excitement, in just shocking your kids, in throwing fun things in there in being spontaneous. So I believe very firmly in doing that. I think that's what instills that love of learning and sparks that desire within your kids. However, I'm saying when it comes to the rhythm of your day, the rhythm, the routine, that that all stems from staying consistent. 
Now, what's not going to bring that consistency is if you wake up at a different time every single day because you're doing different things every single night, if you just avoid doing schoolwork because you don't want to and so you get together with your friends, if you are talking on the phone for an hour and and getting frustrated that your kids aren't doing school but you're not there with them, you're on the phone. And so it's it's like these are the things that derail us. These are the things that get us off track and then it's difficult to get back on track. So staying focused, like these are the nitty gritty. I mean, this, so many people said things like this, staying focused, staying consistent, motivation, time management. So I'm lumping all of these into one discussion because I think that they all work together. First of all, prioritize. Prioritize your time. Prioritize what is the most important to you and do those things things first. Do them first. Because when we get the things done that are the most important to us, we're so motivated, you guys. There's something that comes when we get those things done that all of a sudden we feel on top of the world that we can do anything. Get those done first. What is your most important three? I usually choose one thing for homeschooling, one thing for home, and for me, one thing for work. For my home, I want to eat dinner tonight. That is a priority for me. For my my homeschool, if we do nothing else, I want us to do language arts today. And for my work, I have to get this deadline done. So I create my top three and that is what I focus on. I make my main and then after in the overflow of my life, which there is always overflow, then I do basically what what life brings at me or what, you know, I naturally fall into, whatever, whatever happens, happens basically at that point. But I've at least done something in these different facets of my life that I have to tackle, that I have to balance. So prioritize. The next thing is, whoops, sorry. I'm moving my hands like you have no idea. I'm an orchestra. Like my hands are moving, staring at my wall. I'm staring at my computer. Like I am, it's, it's crazy. Podcasting is insane. Okay. The next thing is that you have to just start. Just start. Okay, you're struggling with consistency, you don't want to do it, you're not motivated, you are struggling staying focused. I mean, sometimes that's our kids that struggle with those things, but you guys, a lot of times it is us. And I'm telling you right now, you need to just start. Now, a great strategy for this, if you're looking for an actual strategy you can implement, is to grab your coffee and instead of sitting and staring at the wall, sitting on your phone, you know, hiding in your bedroom, you actually walk downstairs and, and it doesn't feel ready. Okay, your house is a mess. There's breakfast. There's like, you know, the, the cereal is like drying to the side of the bowls. It's the worst. And and you, you're you not dressed. Your, your hair is not done. Your kids aren't dressed. No one's done chores. I mean, the day is derailing before it's even begun. So, so the, the fatalist in you is saying it's all over now. It's all done. And so you're drinking your coffee and you're just, you're just sad about this day that's lost to you forever. But I'm telling you that if you walk downstairs in all the imperfection, in all of the chaos, you sit at that kitchen table, you sit at your schoolroom, you sit at that desk, you call the kids around you. This is the key. You call them, you say, come gather around. We're doing school right now. Don't do anything else. Don't go pee. No, no more water. Come down here. Come down here. Come down here. They all come. They gather around you. You say, get your books, sit down. Bring me that read aloud. Bring me, like, morning basket for us is the best way to start because it's something I can just sit. And so bring me that read aloud. Do this, do that. And so they they gather, they bring the books, and now, like it or not, like it or not, we're schooling, okay? Because I've actually just forced it to happen. 
And so I sit, my kids gather, they bring everything, and now it's like, oh, well, I guess I have to. Sometimes I have to do that. Sometimes I have to just guess I have to. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. So some of the biggest things is just starting. Once you get started, you're going to be fine. But you have to start. You can't just think about starting. You can't just plan starting. You need to actually start. So that means getting up, walking a few steps, okay? Or you know what? Worst case scenario, call your kids to your room. Bring the books. Just I'm saying here, I can't move. Just bring everything to me. It's going to happen here in bed. So there's my personal tips from Rebecca's chaos to yours. Turn off your phone. Turn off your phone. Eliminate distractions. Now, it might be your cell phone. It might be your home phone. You know, people tend to call you and you get distracted by those things. So turn it off. Turn on. Do not disturb. Unplug your phone. Let it beep, 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 beep annoyingly until it stops. You guys... You have to eliminate these distractions. Focus on school during school time. Set regular school hours. Say, I'm going to school and be realistic. Don't say I'm going to school from eight until four. Don't do that to yourself. You won't. And then you'll fail. And then you'll feel bad. And then you're going to wonder, why is this not working for me? Be realistic. Say, okay, I'm going to school between nine and 12. And then, and then if we can, we'll do some more stuff in the afternoon, but nine to 12, we're at least going to get done our reading, our writing and our arithmetic from nine to 12 and maybe our read aloud and, and our science or socials that we're going to alternate in our morning basket. Done, 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 done. Seriously, seriously, just saying. So, okay. Prioritize, just start, turn off your phone. Be organized so you don't stop. So being organized can be things like somebody said lunch derails them because they have to stop, they have to make lunch, and then they have to clean up lunch, and then getting back into school is very difficult. Now for me, I do try to get our school done in the morning because yeah, after lunch, it's not even that it's difficult to get back into it, it's that I don't want to. The kids don't want to. They want to go outside and play. It's it's coming up to summer now. Like that's gone. That's dead to us, okay? They, they want to play. They're done their school. So for me, I do try to get my my school done in the morning, first of all. The second thing is, is that if you do need to do school back in the afternoon or you started really late, then things like making extra food the night before, it's leftovers for lunch. Teaching your kids to make lunch, using paper plates, be more organized. You can even pack their lunches and put them in the fridge that your kids can now just go and grab. And now lunch is no longer derailing your day. So those kind of things, being organized, think ahead. The more organized you are with your schoolwork, with your school books, with what they need, with your photocopies, the less time everyone's sitting and waiting for you and you have to wrap your head around, oh, okay, what do I need for this? Be prepared. You know what you need for this. You have it all laid out. Now it's easy. It's not daunting. You just pick up your package and you go. So the more organized you are, the more it is going to help you get going and be consistent and not have these things that tend to derail our day. If you're struggling with motivation, then find healthy motivators for yourself. Clean your house, organize it, you know, light a candle, get yourself some nice fresh pot of coffee. I don't know, those kind of things that are going to motivate you to get going. You know what motivates you. So find those things for yourself so that you can just get going, but find a rhythm, find a routine, not necessarily a schedule you're going to stick to, but a routine. This is what comes next, that everybody kind of knows the flow of your day and settle into that. If you need help settling in, to a flow and a rhythm. You need help coming up with your mission statement, identifying your why, learning how to utilize morning baskets and looping to fit those things in, how to blend your kids, choosing curriculum, creating a schedule and routine for your day that can give you that flow and freedom and peace that you are looking for. 
then I have created a two-week course to walk you through that, you guys. It's completely self-paced, two weeks long, free printables. It's got little videos and it's going to walk you through making your homeschool day what you want it to be for you, for you, for your unique family, your unique situation. So that is available as well. The link is in the podcast episode on my blog. It's called Structuring Your Homeschool Day. And if you need help with that and you want me to walk you through, that's got all my best stuff and it is like nine dollars and it includes a planner that's valued at ten dollars so it is high high value I mean two-week course like that I don't see them offered for that cheap I really tried to make it affordable and easy for any family to use so if you need help then that is where I will send you for more a whole lot more the last one that I want to talk about because this is officially the longest podcast episode I think I have ever done is avoidance behavior to necessary subjects that kids struggle in now this one made me chuckle because I know that she was talking about her kids. Her kids avoid doing reading or math because they struggle in it. But what made me laugh was that I, I was going to come on here and, and be a little facetious and say, avoidance behavior in, in your kids or in you? <laughs> because sometimes I think that we don't talk about the avoidance behavior in us, but come on, that is real. I mean, if my kid is struggling with reading every single day and we're we're hammering it out and it's it's headbutting and it's tears and it's frustration, I mean, they might avoid it, but I'm avoiding it just as much. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself through that. I don't want to be that mom. And so I tend to avoid subjects that that even I struggle in or subjects that I'm not interested in or subjects that seem daunting to me because they're super hands-on and project-based and I don't have the, the creative headspace to go there right now. And so I avoid, but also I've seen in my kids that they avoid. So those are kind of two separate things um, that I want to address. First of all, find curriculum that gets you excited. Now this for both you and for your kids. So if your child is struggling in math, find a really hands-on engaging curriculum that's going to get them excited. There's two that are really hands-on that I will recommend. One, is Right Start. Right Start is is project-based. They only do about one worksheet. Most of their learning is done through hands-on mental math. It's very mastery-based, but it has spiral built in so they don't ever forget. Amazing math curriculum. The other one is Moving Beyond the Page, is releasing math. Now, I think right now they only have it up to about age 10, but it's the same idea as Right Start in that you get this massive manipulatives kit. It's hands-on, it's game-based, all of that, but it's also literature-based. So there's books that you're reading that are helping your kids understand these concepts and are living books for math, which I just think is so, so, so unique. Now, both of those are non-Christian. If you are looking for Christian stuff, there's tons and tons of Christian math options. Um, Math Lessons for Living Education is is fantastic, but you're going to have to kind of look for one that gets your kids excited and also gets you excited. Because I think when you have a child that struggles in an area, you tend to, everyone avoids. No one wants to do it because it's a struggle. The next thing is to follow their interests. If they're struggling with, they don't like science, they don't like history, it's boring to them. Follow their interests. How can you teach history? Let's say your child loves science. They hate history. They find history just dull. Well, then why not teach the history of science? 
And now they're learning history along with science. Berean science builders is the history, it's, it's literally the history of science, a science through the ages and how it developed. And so you learn some of those, okay, we're learning about gravity at the same time that gravity was discovered in history. Like it's just, it's so unique. So find things like that. Find things that are gonna follow their interests, capitalize on it, because you can use their interests in a unit study almost way to teach anything. So find your kids' interests. Take a deep breath. When your kids are struggling with something, then you guys welcome to the next season until they're not struggling, until that aha moment, until breakthrough. And they may always struggle in this area. They just may be one of those areas and you have been gifted the amazing privilege of being their cheerleader for their education. It doesn't actually matter if you put them in school or if you homeschool them. If this is a struggle area for your child, you are their cheerleader. You're their cheerleader. Cheer them on. Encourage them. Focus on the wins rather than on the negatives. Focus on what they're doing right rather than what they're doing wrong. Build their confidence. Go back if you need to, to build a stronger foundation and build the confidence so that it's easier for them. So they start to feel like, hey, I can do this. Hey, I'm not bad at math. I, I can do this. I actually enjoy this. And, and it's going to build that confidence and build the foundation at the same time so they are ready for the next one. Follow their interests, follow their passions and do it. Sometimes the biggest problem is us and us just struggling with persevering when we feel like they are battling us. But I'm, I'm just want to encourage you to persevere. That's what I want to do is I can't tell you it's going to be easy. I can't tell you this is how you're going to just release that, that tension in your homeschool. What I can tell you is that persevere it is worth it. Let them see that you love them, that you believe in them more than anything else. Let them see that. That will spur them on. That will motivate them. That will inspire them. When they see your belief in them, when they see you cheering them on, that is going to be the biggest motivator for your child. So I hope that this episode has given you some encouragement. Now I listed off, there was over a hundred, it was like 180. I'm sure there's more this morning, but I listed off all of the homeschool challenges you guys responded with on the blog post. I give you some links that I think are going to help as well as just all those challenges. What I would love to see from you is to go and read through that list. If you have something to add, please post it in that blog post. You can find it at homeschoolon.com forward slash podcast, or just find podcast in the menu and you'll see this episode. Okay. It is your challenges, my solutions. So post on there what your homeschool challenges are, and I will begin to address these on my podcast, on YouTube, on my blog. I will find a way I'll go live on Facebook, but I'm going to begin to really target some of these challenges we face at the end of the day. If none of these relate to you, know that you are not alone in the fact that you face challenges. Go read through that list and see how many moms are dealing with the same things you are and see and encourage yourself that there are challenges that you face that you no longer face. There are things that you already have overcome just because stages come and go. That season of toddler, baby, pregnancy, moving that was so challenging, that was so all-consuming for a season is now past and you moved on and now there's more challenges that you face. So, so encourage one another, comment on one another, build one another up because this season will pass. This season 
will pass. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's be a community that supports one another and check back you guys for more encouragement. If you are not a part of my newsletter, I have changed everything up. I am no longer just writing. Here's my latest blog post. Go check it out. I am writing encouragement like this. When you're impatient, when you struggle, when I struggle today, I had a terrible day. I am sharing my heart and my life three times a week, way more encouragement and support and just real life and less salesy and pitchy and go and check this out and click on my links. So if you want encouragement sent to your inbox, then go and subscribe. You can do that on my blog. I've got subscription stuff everywhere. Go and subscribe to my newsletter because I promise you that it is my heart sent out to your inbox. It's real. It's it's in the moment. And I really think that it will be valuable to you to get more support and encouragement. So that's it. I'm going to wrap it up. Officially my longest episode. Wow. I need your guys's I need to hear from you on this. I really, really, really do because I'm talking to a wall. So if you liked this, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, if you're on Stitcher, subscribe. So you'll get it right away on your phone. You'll catch the newest one. I do this once a week. You guys can rate this. You guys can post a review on this. You can rate me on my page and and help other people find me on Facebook or wherever. Reviews and, and ratings and subscriptions, those are what help me see that you're there. Those are what help other people find me. So I would love for you to share this. I would love for you to help me reach more homeschoolers and encourage more people and and just to hear your feedback. If there's things you like, things you don't like, I would love to hear it. So you can always email me. You can do that on my blog. Contact me. I mean, I'm everywhere. You guys, I'm everywhere. And otherwise, I hope that you have an amazing homeschool day and that you see these challenges you face as opportunities to grow because that's what they are. They're opportunities for growth in you. They're opportunities for growth in your kids. And I am excited to see what God does through these many, many challenges that we face and persevering and running the race that he has set before us. Be encouraged, be blessed, and I will talk to you again next week.